you are tuning into a podcast which inspires aspiring entrepreneurs, athletes, and people to follow their passion. My name is Urshad Ali, an athlete entrepreneur best known for being a professional natural physique athlete and a former world champ. And I'm sitting down with individuals to talk about their stories, the lessons they've learned, and how to make an impact. This is Stories with Urshad. Welcome back to another episode of Stories with Urshad. I know it's been a while, but we're bringing one back with a very, very Good one. Today on the show, I have a very important and a special guest. She is a businesswoman, an entrepreneur, investor, and an actual investor that invests and also a traveler. Has traveled 42 countries and loves travel with a passion. Please welcome to the show, Renee Chand, aka Dutt. <laughs> Thank you. That was uh, quite the welcome, um, which is really amazing to hear from you because you've accomplished so much yourself. So I feel like um, you made me sound like much better than I actually am. Um, <laughs> that was take two, nobody knows, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, thank you for having me here. I know it's been a while in the making. It's been about two years since we've been planning to do this. So I'm really proud and glad that we've actually sat down and started it. So thank you for having me. Really excited to thank be here. Thank you. Thank you for um finally making it to the show. I'm so excited to <laughs> talk about a whole bunch of stuff, business, travel, investment, um, and most importantly, advice and tips on, you know, people that are starting out maybe very early on in their life, in their yeah. journey. Um, I suppose some people start very early in investment, business, and travel even. Yes, some yeah. people start later on in life. So yeah. there's, there's something someone can take away from this episode that I feel that's going to be very beneficial for them yeah. to get another view on life. Totally. Yeah, I agree. And by the way, just to clarify things to the audience that is listening and that's watching this on YouTube, the video platform, when I said take two, I meant take two not because I messed up. It was a technical error. <laughs> just, just, just putting it out there. Um, so Renee... Uh, what what has what has last two years bought you in terms of like all of this lockdowns and you know like isolations and you can't travel overseas? The the, the key thing that I wanted to ask you was like you love travel, yes. Lockdown, isolation, all of that. Yeah, it's like completely opposite on the other side of the scale. Yeah, doesn't allow you to do any of that. Yeah. So um, so how how did you feel? What did you do most importantly? Because you're used to traveling like at least a few times in a year. Yeah. If not more sometimes. Um, so how, what did you do? Um, it was actually a really crazy time. I, I think the, the craziest bit about it was probably having no control over everything. So I'm someone who likes to have control over my life, which makes me sound a bit of a control freak. Promise I'm not. Um, but I'm a very planned person. I like to know where I'm going in the next five days in the next five minutes, in the next five months, or even five years. Um, and it doesn't matter if I've achieved what I've set out to do in the next, you know, X, Y, Z, but I'm someone that likes to know, hey, look, this is what I want to do this year. I want to go traveling or I want to do, you know, something or get a new, into a new hobby. So I think um, two years was quite crazy. I was supposed to get married. So my wedding got canceled five times. Five um, times? Yeah. and. Wow. I'm a super busy person, so I'm not one of those people who will spend a whole year planning my wedding. I just can't. I feel that it's so much time and I'd rather be productive doing other things. I'm one of those people that would rather, um, you know, spend a short time on doing things, but making sure that I'm giving it all I've got in that time and pulling it off. Um, and as you know, everyone's busy, but I have so much going on in my life, so I have to prioritize. So 
I planned my wedding, you know, semi a couple of times. And then by the time my wedding did come around, um, which in fact I actually ended up having three, which is a bit crazy and excessive. Yeah. Um, I was there too, one of them. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason you weren't there for the other one was because it was during um, red Restrictions, light. Restrictions, yes. Yeah, so we could only have 120 people yep. with Indian families. We have massive families, so that's another. But just some of the family couldn't even make that. Yeah, eh? yeah, people, yeah. A lot of my family couldn't be there, which really, really sucked. Um, but yeah, so my wedding was one of the things. So it got cancelled five times. So by the time my wedding came around, I did not. It was super well planned now because you had two years now extra to plan your wedding. <laughs> and it was like that much more better than if you would have just done it. Or did it just end up being exactly what you had planned initially? So the lockdown gave you more time to plan your wedding. Um, I think initially we really wanted to do a destination wedding, which oh, we couldn't okay. have. Um, I ended up having a white wedding um, last year, which you were part of. Um, which was supposed to be a small sort of legal wedding and then it turned into this big white wedding affair. I planned the whole thing in three weeks. Um, and I think that was just down to, I'm one of those people who just go, hey, this is what I want to do and I'm just going to go ahead with it. So mm -hmm. I'm not someone who will like plan and think and research and do too much thought into things. I'll say, cool, this is what I want to do um, and just get on with it. So I did that in three weeks and um, I got a lot of really positive feedback to say like, hey, look, like this looks like you put so much effort into it. Um, but I just have to say the vendors were amazing at what they did. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so I pulled that off. And then my Big Fat Indian wedding consisted of 15 events, um, which went on over March and April. And I had to plan all of them. I didn't really have trust in um, a wedding planner because I had had one previously for the white wedding. Yeah. Um, I think it's just putting another person in the middle, whereas I'm one of those people who knows exactly what I want. I'd rather deal with the person who's putting – you know, this is what I want. They're doing the output and it's just clear communication. Yeah, and nothing, nothing's lost in translation. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's not sort of, it's just like having another person in the middle. I mean, I know they're super talented and they're really amazing at what they do, but I think me as a person, I just don't function that way. I just want to talk to the person who's going to do it. Um, and I use the same vendors as, you know, majority of the vendors that I used were the same as the one with my white wedding. So they're super world-class. I knew that they get me. They know what I'm like. They know what my work ethic is like and my personality is quite different. Yeah. Um, so they pulled it off and we're super thankful. So we didn't get the destination wedding. Um, Where were you going to have it if you were going to have a destination um, wedding? There was, it was between like sort of Italy or Fiji and then we leaned more towards Fiji because that's where my family's from. Yeah. Um, and Jazz loves tropical islands and, and all that stuff. So... Actually, everyone loves Fiji, even Jazz's parents. Um, so then we were thinking of doing it in Fiji. We were thinking maybe Italy. It was kind of, you know, it was we love traveling, so it was yeah. really hard that's, to decide. That's where I'm from as well, by the way. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a beautiful place. Um, but, you know, I mean, I'm just super thankful and grateful that we were able to pull it off in six weeks. Um, most people did not know that it was done in six weeks from our clothes all being custom ordered from designers in India. And we, you know, planned and designed and did everything um, so quickly. So I'm super grateful and thankful for everyone that helped us pull it off and make it look um, amazing. So I don't think if I had more time, there were minor things I probably would have changed. Yep. But in the gist of it, you know, I just sort of made it up as I went and thought this is what I want to do. And I just made the, made the most of the situation I had. So Okay. Yeah. So you did, you planned your wedding. You finally, when lockdown and everything lifted, you finally had your, you know, you, the wedding happened. Yeah. Um, all those events and everything. But what about like your travel fix for yeah. like the time the lockdown was happening like what new hobbies did you start on because obviously you couldn't have just been planning your wedding for the whole time but like yeah, what exactly did, what did. did you what did you like 
did you start something new? Did you learn something? Like what are the things that you wanted to come out of when the lockdown lifted or when things changed or maybe you were really looking forward to traveling to a place yeah. or something like that? What was that thing that we were really itching to do or start or whatever? Um, I think to be honest, most people went into lockdown trying to take something out of it. Mm. For me, um, I went into lockdown being as busy as I was outside of lockdown because um, one of our businesses, Campbell Cartage, was an essential business. Auckland Movers was an essential business for part of it as well. Yeah. So we worked out while everyone was making um, those fancy frothy coffees and banana cakes, we were working insane hours Yeah. Um, because supermarkets were providing food to people. We were transporting all of the pallets. Um, so basically what Campbell's Cottage does is they we provide pallets to everyone in Auckland Metro. So anything in Auckland that goes on a pallet, which is majority products in life, um, it, go, it goes on a pallet. So we deliver empty ones and we pick them up and we transport them over to sort of all of our customers in, in Auckland. So there was a lot of pressure on us because if our uh, team, you know, at the same time, this is our team and our staff, which is like our family. They're putting their lives in danger at a time with, you know, COVID. We didn't know what COVID was. Yes. I mean, you know, we, we're thinking it's, you know, like the life or of, death. The end of the world. Yeah, like if someone catches yeah. it, that could be it for their life. Yeah. So we were super grateful for our team and our staff that, you know, put, you know, our business and work first and didn't leave us in the lurch. We're getting onto the trucks early morning, driving, doing long hours, getting these pallets to everyone and that was able to get, you know, food in the supermarkets and yeah. get people the products that they needed while so we So Campbell's lockdown. just moves pallets around, is it? Yes, that's so, what we do. We do okay. a little bit of other stuff as well. Um, we did have another business which we integrated later into Campbell's Cottage, which does mostly media printing. Yeah. So we transfer all the media printing around. Um, we're not allowed to talk about it too much because we have an NDA and, and the customers and stuff that we deal with. So yeah. we can't talk about too much about that. But it was part of another business called Select Transport, which yeah. we've integrated into Campbell's. Yeah. Um, so we did a lot of things like that during lockdown. We were able to make our systems better. We were supposed, you know, we were able to put you know, better processes in and systems and, you know, make things easier. Um, but also we were working really hard throughout lockdown. So I think it was more of focusing on getting things done and making sure everything everything was done where our staff was happy and healthy. They were yep. safe. We were, um, you know, keeping our customers happy. And I think that's sort of what I spent my lockdown doing. Um, so it was pretty busy lockdown because yeah. a couple of the businesses that you um, help operate is, um, you know, was busy, essentially. Yeah, we were a central business. Yeah. So it was very different to people who, um, you know, got to have a bit of time off and spend it with their family, which was beautiful. Um, we got to spend it, you know, with our family. Um, my brother came back from London, which was lovely. Yeah. So that's the one good thing that came from COVID. Uh, so he went to London to study artificial intelligence. So he came back. So it was nice to have him back. I was able to spend a lot of um, time with my in-laws and, you know, do lockdowns with them um, and cook and do things with them, which was really lovely. But I think... Overall, it was a really busy lockdown. There wasn't a lot of downtime. Um, I definitely miss travel yeah. um, because we work really hard. And I think for me, that sort of output is to go traveling. So you get a bit of a break. So you have yeah. something to look forward to. So when you're putting in all these hours, you're working really hard. You've got something to look forward to and relax. And what was on the top of your list then um, uh, out of the lockdown? Like, man, want to go back there. I think, to be completely honest, we were trying to go to Japan because it's been on the to list Japan. for so long. Yeah. I know it sounds like I feel everyone's been to Japan already. No, I, haven't, I haven't been to Japan. And like, you know, like people that do travel, it's just like so many people have been there and they're saying great things about it. Um, funny thing, we did book Japan after our honeymoon. Oh, right. 
never opened on time. So that was a bit of a shame. So we ended up going to South Korea. But um, I think we were just, we never really plan like where we're going next. It's kind of, we never really book that in advance too. Like you, you've known me for many years. It's suddenly like yeah. two weeks before. I'm like, oh, actually take- I'm going here. And yeah. everyone's like, oh, like I had no idea. Well, you kind of, you got to, because your schedule is so full on. I don't think people understand. It's like you can't really plan too much in advance because you don't know what's going to come up. Totally. So when you do get that slot, it's yeah. like, okay, so you've done this, 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 and now you have a slot where you can actually take off for a week or two. Yeah. Then you're off because yeah. because you can, because you've taken care of what you need to take care of. Yeah. And you don't have anything coming maybe like that serious for the yeah. next yeah. Um, you know, month or something. Yeah, so you totally. can take off. But then again, when you guys are off and you guys are overseas, to some extent, you guys are still online. Oh, totally. Um, you know, some, yeah. still working because you have businesses running. Yes. There still needs to be overseen. There's still like some decisions you need to make while you're on holiday. Yeah. So you still stay connected to the businesses that you're running yep. while you're overseas. Yeah, totally. I mean, we still have to approve and pay everyone. So yep. that's one thing. But also, I think um, the beauty of our businesses, we don't want to be so massive that you become a corporate. I've worked in corporate and I know what that's like. But we're not so small as well where you can just put someone in there and they'll take care of everything while you're away. Um, And so I think it's nice. I think the main difference is that you're physically not there. So it feels less pressure for us. Um, We've mainstreamed most of our things in our business so everything can be done online. There's really not much apart from if you need to go jump in a pod and clean it, we can't physically do it. Um, But most of the things, um, you know, there's still a lot of things that come to us, like questions like this isn't working, this isn't resolved, and then it'll come to us. So we are very much still working. Um, I wouldn't say we ever fully clock off and just uh, offline. Um, And I think it's all right. I mean, we, we enjoy that aspect of our life. I think like to be busy and use our brain all the time. But I think the nice thing about traveling is, for me personally, it's, um, you know, I'm able to clear my mind and think in a way that I'm not when I'm responding constantly. When I'm here in Auckland, I'm responding constantly. Yeah. Whether it's family, um, whether, you know, family's doing a party or there's events or there's friends or um, there's work and staff. And, and then you're, you're just always responding to things as they're coming. Everything's inflowing and you're just responding. You're never able to be proactive. But when you go on holiday, you kind of get that chance to breathe because things are not coming at you physically. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm not physically sitting in the car and driving and rushing to one office to the other or meetings or client meetings. I'm kind of just able to sit in the pool and just think about life or just, you know. Yeah. And, and that's where most of the ideas and most of the things and the clear thinking and, you know, what I want to do in the next X, Y, Z comes because you're able to have that five, ten minutes to yourself before someone comes like, oh, what do you want to order to eat or drink? And I'm I like, mean, oh. like it all comes down to planning too, right? Because you guys yeah. obviously plan it. Yeah. So you get you get minimal contact. There might be some essential, to like paying people and everything that you might need to do while you're overseas. Yeah, totally. But like the key thing I think over here is to take away out of what you just said is that when you guys are over, when you guys are over on your holiday and when you're traveling, you've already pre-planned everything. So yes. planning is a huge part of being able to leave and being able to have the time off to rejuvenate you know, like refresh, recharge and everything like that. And at the same time, you actually are in control of like you, when you're on holiday, you can control because you've already planned everything. Mm. If you want to pick up your phone and reply to the email now, because it's up to you when you want to do that. It's not like you have to get it done now. Yeah. When you're in here, when you're running the business, the things that are going to come at you that you have to action it. Yeah. Because you're physically here, like you yeah, said. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think people are a little bit more lenient when you're not in the country 
Although in saying that, um, in the last three, four months, I've literally been away all the time, um, whether it's been to Australia or Fiji. Um, and there was an incident where, you know, sometimes people still expect you to be available all the time. Um, so yeah, it was just, you know, sometimes little things happen like, you know, one of our customers bought a candle, they went to pick it up and accidentally were given two candles, um, which, you know, we were like, oh, that's fine. Like you can hold on to it. Like, don't worry about it. Like it was just a genuine human error. And then the customer ended up getting angry because why were they given two candles? And they paid for one. They paid for one and they got two. Um, and we were like, cool, like, that's all right. Don't worry about it. Just keep the candle. And yeah, I think maybe they're just having a bad day, but. I was like, if I got a free candle, I'd be happy. Like, <laughs> with, with what? So they weren't happy because it was free, or were they happy because it wasn't the right candle? They weren't happy because um, I don't know why they weren't happy. To be completely honest, I thought about it for many days to try and figure out like what went wrong. But I think basically they were, they assumed it was cheaper, so they wanted to buy more because um, uh, okay. they paid half of the price yeah. for the candle, and they got. And then they wanted to order more. And so then we were like, oh, like, you know, this this is the price. Um, And they said, oh, well, I've got two because I thought it was the price of the candle, but it was the price of the tea. Uh, okay. It's I two see. completely different products. Two different products. I so, see. Um, you know, and, and like we tried to like help them and stuff. But I think you just can't keep everyone happy. People go through things in their personal life and sometimes they lash out on things that are irrelevant. So... You know, I mean, I think we did the best we could. We're like, just keep the candle. and Yeah. So the candle brand we're talking about for the listeners and the viewers is the one that's lit on this table over <laughs> here. Um, this one is the, what fragrance is this one? This is white chocolate this and berries. White chocolate and berries. Yeah. Um, obviously, you, the listeners and the viewers can't smell it. We can smell it here in the studio. It yeah. is rancherandco.co.nz. Yeah, rancherco.co.nz. NZ is or, the website, or you can even do rencher.co, and that will also redirect also, to, yep, yep. to the main <laughs> website. So check them out. They ha- and that is one of Renee's creations slash businesses she has. Um, they have candles, they have teas, and they have beauty buds. And I'm sure I've missed a few things that you probably have online as yeah, well. Yeah, um, and they have the diffusers. Diffusers. <laughs> That's the that's the one that I Bath salts. Yeah, it was yeah. to be honest, it's more of a hobby business that I did yeah. for fun. Um, and then just sort of turn into a business. But to be completely honest, it's one of the things that I probably don't spend enough time on is giving yeah. it the attention and love it deserves. Um, but yes, I'm pretty packed. So <laughs> maybe in the new year looking to Well, here it is on the this. on the big screen um, <laughs> for the people that are watching the video version of the podcast. So this is the website that we are talking about. So go check it out. Uh, you never know. You might find a candle that suits your um, personality personality or <laughs> fragrance that you like. You have some cool cool fragrances there too. You have a Jack Daniels and – Jack Daniels whiskey. Whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that how did that – like what what happened? Like one day you went out on town and you're like, okay, this, this imagine this as a candle fragrance. Um, I feel candles are – I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I think there's market for men as well now, but I feel they were very um, feminized, you know, and was a very, you know, women love candles, women buy candles, you buy candles for your girlfriends as gifts. And they're always very, you know, sweet or, you know, the fragrance are, are things that typically, you know, women would enjoy. Um, but me, I've got a little bit acquired taste, I'd say, is sometimes like the perfumes I use as well, they 
are quite intense so that it's it's not things that normal people would like I guess so um I just I you know it's just bored I guess and I wanted to do something different so I thought hey why not make a candle that is you know a whiskey smelling candle that yep. is a nice gift to give like for example my husband's like impossible to gift things to because he's literally got everything yep. and if he doesn't I buy it for him um so I thought like he likes candles but then the scents are kind of you know forgive me for saying this but girly and um so I thought you know he likes candles he'll probably enjoy it. and so I made it for fun for him um, and he loved it. So I thought, okay, well, might as well just add this on there um, and just see how it goes. But, yeah, it's just – I think I just looked at the market and I thought there's not many candles for men there. Yeah. I mean, I guess uh, then again, like, men don't really go and turn on a candle. But it's just, like, a nice easy gift. And when you go to someone's house, it's nice to have, like, the feminine yeah. sense, but yeah. to have a nice black candle that's, you know, grey or black and it's – I see. Got whiskey smell on it. <laughs> whiskey smell. That's interesting. So yeah, guys, check this out. Um, they do have a sale on for Christmas and Boxing Day and New Year's. So you might just get yourself a good deal. And if you're looking for a present for somebody at the moment to buy, you'll and you you want the house or you want them to remember you for what you got them and not just for a day. These last ages. How how long does that that this candle that's lit here? How many hours of light time does it have? Um, you'd definitely get about well over 100 hours probably 110 105 hours um so we put extra wax and scent into our candles yeah um just because i think genuinely that's how i like it if, if i have a candle i want it to be strong um and yeah so you get a lot of burn time out of it because we fill them quite close to the rim obviously a safe amount not right up to the top that's yeah. dangerous um but yeah you'll get about 110 hours of burn time from this one Nice. So check them out, get somebody a gift, and um, Merry Christmas it is. So, Renee, you got your next trip coming up very shortly. Yes. Just before we wrap up the trip topic and we move yeah. on to dive more into you as a person. <laughs> yeah. Where's your next trip to? Um, a lot of different things, actually. So funny story, Jazz and I were one week in Melbourne, one week in Sydney that we had booked in for November. Um, and then before that, we were in Fiji for two weeks in September for his birthday. So we did one week with the family, celebrated, and then we were really um, blessed to have my brother and both of our parents come and join us. So we celebrated in Dinarau, and then we went to a private island um, for a week to just clear our minds and relax before we came back to the manic work. And um, I think we were just sort of not depressed, but not really enthusiastic about coming back to New Zealand and dealing with work. Although we had this Australia trip, it didn't feel like a holiday. It's like it's Australia. Yeah. You know, it's it's fun. It's great. It's, it's away, but it's pretty similar to yeah. New Zealand. And we go to Australia a lot of the time during the year as well. Um, and so we were kind of just like in this secluded island in the middle of nowhere. It doesn't even have a name. It's near Bigger Island. Um, and we stayed at Royal Davui and we were like, oh, I really don't want to go back home. Actually, we were standing on a sand bank. So there's this beautiful white um, sand thing that comes up during the day and they just throw you there with picnics and, you know, with your picnic stuff and goods. And we were just like, it was just so beautiful. Like you have to be there to feel it. And we were just like, oh, I just don't want to go back home and we have nothing to look forward to. So um, the connection was pretty bad there. But we managed to book flights to leave Auckland um, on Christmas Day. Um, Sunday. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, so okay. we're flying we're flying out on Christmas Day. Okay. Um, because we just thought, you know, there's really no point flying out after Christmas because our business is all shut. We yeah. will spend Christmas Day with the parents and the fly out later in the afternoon. Okay. Um and the flight is cheaper too, so that makes more sense <laughs> as well. Because we we never plan, so we always end up spending so much on our flights. So well, we flights are cheaper on Christmas Day. Um, not a lot, but yeah. a little bit cheaper. Oh, okay. Because I think generally people don't like to fly on Christmas Day, but we're like, that's fine. We get the best of both worlds. We'll celebrate Christmas and then the afternoon we fly out. Yeah. Um, and it just works better for business. So we are flying out to um, Mexico for a week. So we're going to be in Cancun for a week in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we're going to New York for New Year's and then going to Toronto for a few days because we've got a few friends and cousins there that we're just going to say hi to. Um, and then after that, we're going to go to Florida and then do a massive um, cruise for about eight days of the Bahamas. And I think the cruise ship that we're going on is supposed to be the world's largest one, which is super impressive. There's lots of amazing stuff on the actual cruise ship. So super excited for that. Nice. Um, and then after that... We go back to Florida, do a few days there, and then I added on cheekishly because we have to come back through Tahiti. Jazz was like, let's go to Bora Bora. And I was like, we've done that already. Um, You know, that's where he planned our proposal. And I thought, nah, let's do something different. So we're going to do Turks and Caicos for one week and then we'll come back. So in total, we're going for four weeks, which is super exciting. Nice. Um, Sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, but it's a real change of weather. So I think it'll be a bit hard to pack for. Like usually we go to a warm place or a cool place. But here, you know, um, we're going to New York for New Year's. So it's going to be snowing. Toronto is going to be freezing. And then Mexico is going to be warm. And Turks and Caicos is going to be warm. So, yeah, it's going to be a bit hard packing, but be nice four weeks away. <laughs> it definitely will be four weeks of sound. How many countries is that? So what? You um, four. I think in total. So there's Mexico, there's America, there's Canada. Um, Bahamas, I think there's about four different countries we're doing there, four or five. And then Turks and Caicos is the sixth country. So it's yeah, it's quite a few countries. I've lost count already. <laughs> wow. And then when you come back, you're back into it. Yeah, back into it. Um, full guns steaming ahead, like so much stuff to catch up on probably. So it'll probably be a few manic weeks um, before we get back to a normal mm. crazy workload. Yeah. Nice. So that's four weeks of, um, you know, pretty much like paradise, relaxation, you know, recovery. Yeah. Re-energizing. That's great. But – Take me 10 years back now, Renee. Ooh. So take me 10 years back. To do the quick math, how old was I? Yes. <laughs> I know, but I won't say it. Take 10 <laughs> years back. Okay, so now tell me about this, Renee. What were you thinking? Yeah. How the 10 years that has now passed. Yeah. What was in the plans and the pipeline and um, what were you thinking? How are you going to, you know, what are you going to do with life? How are you going to, you know, how is it going to pan out? How did it go? Yeah. Now, opposed to what you had planned. Yeah. Um, oh, that's such a cool question and a crazy one. Um, it's a really hard one to answer too. I think taking me back 10 years ago, so now I'm 30, <coughs> the big 3-0, um, I was 20. So probably just a couple of years, well, three years out of, High school because I finished when I was 17. Um, where was I working? Yeah, so I was at that point in my life, I had come out of banking and got into recruiting, so yeah. um, into HR, which was a big shift. 
I think um, I never really, I like to plan things, but I'm not one of those people that if I've planned it, I have to stick to the plan. For me, the plan was, um, you know, obviously go to university, get a degree because um, obviously I'm Indian and your parents want you to get a degree. Um, I was always very curious and wanted to do different things from the get-go, from the second I finished school. Um, you know, I didn't mind university, but I didn't, even till today, um, it's probably bad for me to say, but I didn't feel I learned a lot of life skills or anything that made me very successful in university. In university yes. So I'm very sorry, AUT. I do love <laughs> and respect you guys, but um, I just feel it doesn't matter what you study or where you study, whether you went to, you know, um, some of the most prestigious universities or you just went to a tech. I think what you do with your um, knowledge is what counts, is how you interpret it. I, th I felt that university was teaching me theory of these are theories and you take the theories and you can put them in real life. Yeah. For me, I started working when I was 16 in banking and I worked – many years in banking. So I feel I learned a lot more about people skills and talking to people, relating to them, understanding real life situations of, you know, banking and how much money people have in their accounts, educating people on how to invest their money or make the most of actually putting your money in the bank. Yeah. You've got to make money off it. You're not just giving them your money for free. So a lot of the time people's mentality is putting money in the bank is safeguarding their money or that's something you're supposed to do or have to do. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, went into that really young. Going back a few years before that, my dad is a financial advisor. So when I was like 11, 12 years old, I used to, you know, sort of help him fill in home loan forms and stuff. So I was always very curious in that sort of finance area and, and stuff. So it was kind of funny that I fell into banking, went to university. And when I came out, when I went to university, I was doing commercial law and finance when I finished, I ended up doing marketing and instead of doing finance, I ended up doing marketing. Um, and when I went into working, I went into HR. So I have a banking experience, HR experience. I've been extremely successful in sales, um, but it's completely different. So I don't think I planned it. I think I was just cool, get a degree. And then I went out trying to get a job in marketing. So I went to recruitment agencies and, and the recruitment agency recruited you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it happened many times. Yeah. So I went to many recruitment agencies. They would always try and recruit me yep. because I had had this, you know, sort of successful sales background and banking where I was in the top three of the country. And, you know, I mean, those things came naturally to me. I wasn't trying to be a top salesperson. I just wanted to be more uh, probably like challenged in my job rather than just, you know, doing what I was doing. I wanted to help the person or go beyond yeah. and above and help them and find a benefit for them. And that's how it transpired. So you, so, you, de you developed all of these people skills through working at the bank, obviously it's people yeah. facing face to face. Yeah. Um, you get to connect on them on a personal level as well, because it's to do with finances and yeah. finances is what, you know, sets people up with success or failure. Yeah. So you gain all that experience from banking. Yeah. And then uh, university, you know, I hear this time and time again that, you know, what you learn at university never actually get to apply like 80% of it yeah. in, in real life. Yeah. I just feel like the whole educational system is broken, yeah. mainly because they're probably teaching things that somebody wrote 30 years ago. Totally. You know, or something like that. Like even, even in the courses and things today for like real estate, for example, it doesn't even cover like core 
digital aspects of what needs to be done now in 2022, yeah. everything is like, you know, from a perspective of like what was done 20 years ago. Yeah, you know, so totally. university is good. Schooling educational system is really good, but yeah. I think it teaches you more like um, to be organized. It teaches you, I guess, responsibilities like showing up on time, going to your lectures, going to your classes. Yeah, it teaches you those kind of lessons. But I think the actual physical things that you learn, if you go by the books in the real world. Yeah. You'll get walked all over. I think you can probably totally. There's so many people I've met in life that are extremely book smart. Yeah, and like you know, classic examples. When I worked at Coca Cola, I went in and they asked me to do a lecture series for um, people that were doing their masters in HR and international business. Which you know, um, I would have never thought that they would be asking me to do that. This is many years ago, so I went in and it was actually. Um, really eye-opening how like these people are so smart like they're they're way more intelligent than me the people sitting in the room listening to me talk to them and um it's just like sad how naive they are because they don't realize that you know this is what they've learned and they're extremely intelligent you know intelligent and talented at it but in real life you need to have um, you know, sort of personal skill set. You need to market yourself on LinkedIn and you need to go and make connections. You need to make sure you've got a CV. You know, you've got to make sure you're marketing yourself as someone who wants to be hired. So a lot of these people were extremely talented and intelligent and, you know, like on scholarships and all this stuff, but they were struggling to find, you know, a job or be successful in an interview because they're not necessarily smart at selling themselves but they would probably be much smarter than the people that we interview and we're impressed by an interview. Yep. But these people are the cream of the crop who, if they actually had a little bit of life skills or talent on how to sell themselves, they would go skyrocket. So I think, you know, education is really important and obviously there's a value in everything, but I think it's about what people value and what they want to achieve in life. I find that schooling systems and all this stuff, firstly, I feel um, that teachers and doctors, these people are really unappreciated, which is really sad as a society. I think, um, you know, when you need someone to help you when you're, you know, I mean, your kids, like if you have a kid, who's going to teach them? We're not teaching them everything. These people sitting there teaching your kids maths and English and how to read and write. These people are teaching your kids something they're going to take forever. Yep. So I think that appreciation is really not there for the important people in our society. We say during COVID where we started to appreciate you know, medical staff, but how many times do people actually go and gift things to their GPs, their doctors, their vets? Because I definitely do every Christmas and it's not, you know, it's it's never going to repay them for what they do for us or to society, but it's just showing them that we care. So that's a sad aspect of it. But I think education is a little bit like life. They give you a little bit of everything that you need. They teach you common sense. They teach you science, maths, English, which you need all these things, maths, right? But they don't teach you how does tax work? How does economy work? How does a business run? How does debt work? How does debt work? Yeah. How you can use debt to get rich? Investments are great, but you've got to know when to invest and when to pull out. Um, you know, so they don't teach you a lot of these things. And I think basically what school teaches you is they're going to give you information, but until you don't research and try and find the topic and learn yourself, you're not going to be successful. You get graded on things where this is a project, go and research and pull back something that's 
different. So life is the same. We know how to do maths, but people don't understand tax. Yeah. People don't understand GST. People don't understand so many things. But if you apply your own knowledge and you go and find it out yourself, rather than relying on someone to give you that knowledge, that is where you find the 10% of the really successful people who have actually gone and worked harder and tried to find more knowledge. Yeah. So I think that's that's the problem is that I think instead of getting people to go figure it out on their own, we probably need to be teaching people how tax works, how income tax works. And I think that would make give everyone a fair advantage to be successful in life. Because in yeah. life, what do we worry about? We worry about earning enough money, how much tax we get charged, paying for the roof over our head, paying for the food that goes in our mouth. But how many of us actually know what's in the food? You know, I mean, so much of the food is processed. There's sugar, there's yeah. carbs. So I think it's the educational piece that I think we probably need to keep the education in society, but change what we're educating on. I think in high schools, we need to be teaching people about, you know, real life things like rent and income and tax and GST and economy yeah. and how businesses work, how they benefit in a, in a, in a country. So... I mean, don't get yeah. me wrong, like we do need smart people to go to high school, to go to university, to become obviously like a pilot, to become a doctor, Engineers, to become a lawyer. Engineer. We need all of that. That yeah. you need to go to university for. And that totally. is probably, so the people listening or watching, don't get me wrong, university is important if you're going to do those roles. You yes. can't be, you can't <laughs> be uneducated and unqualified and go try build a skyscraper. Like, well, like cut me you, open and do my exa surgery and exactly, have a degree. Exactly. I'm like, nope. So those people I feel they <laughs> yeah. probably use more, if not and some, right? Than yeah. what they learn from university. Because yeah. you need a qualified person to fly the plane that's gonna, you know, yeah. take you to your next holiday destination. Like your lawyers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, those things are different. You know, yeah. I did commercial law. So yeah. obviously what I learned in university, I would not have learned, you know, mm. just going into the real world, you'd kind of get kicked a couple of times and bumped before you found out how the law works. But I mean, in terms of what I studied and what I ended up doing in my life, I didn't feel a degree would have helped me yep. get where I did. Um, and some of it's pure luck too. Sometimes people get lucky and they get really good opportunities. Um, but Lucky, yeah. luck. Do you, so you believe in luck? I, I do believe in luck. I definitely do believe in luck. Um, I think everyone has a different type of luck. But I think... Um, so tell me, tell me your take on luck. <laughs> what is luck to you, Renee? Um, I actually think that you can create your own luck. I think that if you're genuine and you're real, you have a good heart and you do good things for others, good things will come to you. That's my mentality on luck. Is that... Is it luck or is it karma though? <sighs> a little bit of both, I guess. Luck is some You're really stumping me here now. <laughs> um, I, think, I think it is like karma. But you see, I think you can create your own luck too. You've got to believe in yourself as well. And if you put in the effort and the work, it's got to come back to you. In saying that, I feel I put in a lot of work and effort and most of the time it doesn't come back to me. Sometimes I'm just like, why is this happening to me? Um, but I think you can. I think there are definitely people that get really lucky. Like if I look at nowadays versus me 10 years ago it makes me sound like a dinosaur but um you know I feel growing up I felt you had to earn everything like you had to have credibility if you're going to talk to me about finance you better have worked in it or studied it mm. or you've got to have experience or you're a multimillionaire. you're yeah. super successful in real estate then you talk to me about it but I feel nowadays it's very different. Like some people are so incredibly talented and lucky that they don't have that credibility, but they've been able to use things like, 
you know, social media and… Social media is a lot of hard work though. Yeah, exactly. And it's really impressive that these people have taken something like social media and they've become a guru in the topic that they don't have necessarily years and years and years of experience in, but they've been able to articulate what, you know, some people might find common sense, some people might think it's, oh my God, that's amazing. And they've been able to create so much success from it. So I think it's, it's really interesting. Like some people create their luck like that. They put in the hard work. They take something they don't know much about and they go to social media or they go, you know, online, create a website, start a business and they do extremely well. So I think it's like a learning curve as well that, you know, they created their luck rather than waiting for it to come to them. Like, um, you know, that's a lot of, a lot of the time people look at me like, you know, like I'll share my, you know, view yes, on luck. please. So like <laughs> luck, a lot of people see me and be like, oh, this guy's so lucky. He's got this. He's sponsored by this brand. He's worked oh, yeah. on, worked with this company or whatever it is as an yep. athlete or whatever yep. it is. He's lucky that he's in shape. You know, I've mm-hmm. heard like all kinds of luck things. But then I think about it, no, actually, for me, it's not personally luck, I don't think. Like I've genuinely, like for example, being sponsored by Balance like eight years ago or something, like when I got sponsored by them, people be like, oh, lucky you got sponsored. But they don't actually realize the amount of work that I put in to yep. actually be sponsored by them. Like, yep, you know, yep. submitting an athlete CV and yep. on to, I think it was 200 something people that also applied for the balance sponsorship when I did initially. Mm. And there was like, you know, Black Sticks and all of these other uh, well-established players and people that went and applied for the ambassadorship deal with them. Yep. I did as well at that time. And then I went to multiple interviews for that. And the way I presented myself, the way I, proposed to them, the way I pitched to them, pretty much all my learnings through business and everything, I bought out into pitching for an athlete ambassadorship deal with them. Yeah. And then I got sponsored by them. And then, you know, like now here we are eight years forward. I'm still like one of the main athletes for Australasia. Yeah. People look at me like, oh, you were lucky to be sponsored by them, whatever it is. But then they don't know the things that I went through. Yeah. So I guess, although one thing I will say, somehow it did work out to be was in the whole process... <laughs> Yeah. Was that um, I was competing at a bodybuilding show. Yeah. And that somehow it happened to be sponsored by Balance. Right. Right. And I used Balance products before I was actually sponsored by Balance as well. So at that show, there was um, uh, the brand manager of Balance happened to be there at that show that, you know, she was there for the setup and everything and she was going to leave. Um, shout out to Stacey. She used <laughs> to be the brand manager balance and then she was the one that obviously they brought me in as an athlete i bumped into her and i said look i was gonna you know how do i get sponsored by balance she told me what i needed to do there's a form that you fill out i sent the form i went for the interviews and long story short i got the sponsorship but um maybe had i not have bumped into her i probably still would have applied for it I don't know if I would have got the same result, but then again, I went through the same process just because I bumped into it, didn't like speed up anything. Yeah. I still went through the whole thing, the whole three interview process for it and everything shortlisted and temporary contract, main contract. But then what work I did before that, the compositions I competed at, the work that I put into the gym, the food and the dieting and the training. Yeah. I don't think that made me luckier. It just made me ready. Yeah, I think you're right. I think um, luck is like... <sighs> I don't know. I think it's like a magical way of looking at an achievement. Like, you know, obviously we know the hard work we put into things. And even these people that, you know, are doing the social media stuff, they're putting in incredible amounts of work. But I think um, luck is probably a magical way of looking at an achievement to go, wow, they're so lucky. 
Have you heard that saying? The harder you work, the luckier you get. Yeah, I have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I'm because I I like to say like, oh yes, I've had luck. But when you when I heard you talking, then I I you know flash back to all the hard work and all the tears and the sweat and the sleepless nights and you know all the hard work that I went through, which I think people don't really talk about it. I think it's people that go through the hard work, they, I think it's just an easier way to turn around and go, oh, luck is, is what it is. But really, I think you've hit the nail on the head with it. It's actually not luck. It's a lot of hard work. A but lot of hard work. Consistency. Consistency, dedication, and like, it's kind of like torture sometimes because you know, sometimes you know it's so much hard work. Some It's not working sometimes and then it, you know, suddenly does work and, you, you forget about all the torture. It's kind of like PTSD. You just go, oh, luck is easier to say. Yeah. But I think you're right. It is probably hard work. It's not really luck. But some people are lucky. Like, I don't know. But I guess it's, it's driven by experience. Like, like, for example, what I say lucky is you go play the lotto and then you win like. Oh, no, yeah, no I don't have it. that kind of luck. You know, no that, That's way. what you call lucky. That, it's, I mean, to yeah. some extent, if some people, like, if you've never played lotto, if you never do any of this kind of stuff and you mm. go do it one time. Yeah. And then you just win. Yeah. That's luck. Totally. That's what you call like. That's completely like. But I also feel being at the right place at the right time. Had you not met Stacy, those opportunities may have come to you, but maybe at a later stage. So I think sometimes it's a bit of a destiny and luck and hard work put together okay, kind of Destiny's an interesting Oh God, one here now. we go. So <laughs> destiny. So is it destiny or probability, do you think? I think so probability is one thing. Destiny is another thing, right? Yeah. So when people say they're destined for something or it was destined to happen. Is I it think that it's that they manifested it. They believed in it happening and it happened. Probability, yeah. Because like, okay, say for example, I get a deck of cards, right? Yeah. I shuffle them. Yeah. And then I pick out four random cards. Yeah. So it could be king of spades, two of hearts, four yeah. of clubs, and ten of diamonds. Yeah. Right? Is that probability that it ended that way or was it destiny that I was supposed to nah, do Nah, that's cards? probability. So in the world right now, there's millions and billions and trillions of outcomes of different decisions that are people yeah. that are making, right? So like, for example, you're driving to the studio here today for this podcast. You got here on time um, and then Nathan was running late. And then... <laughs> Poor Nathan. Don't throw him <laughs> under the bus. <laughs> and then we got... Um, shout out to Nathan, by the way, um, for running the podcast all the time very smoothly. Nathan, you do a good job, man. Just want to say I appreciate you. And every other time he's on time, it was just today. Yeah, it was just today. <laughs> so, and then you get a flat tire and you didn't make it here on time. Was it destiny or probability that you ran over something that popped your tire? Yeah, that just bloody probability, I guess. So then what is destiny and then what's probability? Yeah, I guess it's the same story. Destiny is just a magical way of looking at probability. You just yeah. go, it was meant to be, but like you actually made the decision to make it be, right? Yeah. I'm one of those people, it's like 50%, like I'm very practical and realistic, but then I also like to be like magical and fluffy about things. So it's always like this ongoing battle in my head where I'm like, is it probability or is it destiny? But it's just a nicer way to look at, you know, yeah, probability. It, yeah then like we know in our hearts it's probability. Yeah. Uh, in our mind we know it's probability. In our hearts we're like, it was destiny. So it's kind of like a brain and heart. Yeah, it was like um, – Mind versus measure kind of thing. Having this conversation with somebody, I think it may have been my mum, somebody fell from like a building or something and then he got, a, got away with no broken bones, no nothing and just like a couple of scrapes and that was it and they survived. 
or something it was, rather, she was telling me, I was kind of 50-50 listening. And then um, she said, oh, it was, um, what does she say? It was uh, like a, it's like a biblical term. It's not coming to me right now. Oh, yeah, I think I know what you mean, but it's and, not coming to me. And, and then and then I'm like, no, I don't think it is. I'm like, is this probability? It's like there's millions and billions of ways that you could have fallen. He just fell away that yeah. happened to be that he didn't get hurt. Yeah. It's nothing like. It's about believing in like a higher power, I guess, being like, did someone save him and, and all that stuff. Do you believe in that? Like, mm. I'd like to sometimes, but I don't know. <laughs> I think um, having, I think, I think, faith in something beyond humanity, but then it makes me ultimately think of aliens. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I think it's about people and, and spirituality, what they, how they like to see it. Like, do they want to perceive it as probability or destiny? I think it's pretty much the same meaning, but destiny is probably just a heart's way of saying probability versus the mind says it's probability and it's the heart's way of saying it. Because mm, if you look at it that like, way. Like, do you love someone or are you in love with someone? I think it's just a state of mind. Exactly. To be honest. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It doesn't exist. It's not yeah. physical or anything like that, right? Yeah. So, like, I think it's like love and feelings, emotions. It's just state of mind that you're in. Yes. It's not because um, you, you can't see it. Yeah, right? yeah, you can't yeah, see yeah. it's it's an emotion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. that can flip, can change. Some days it's more, some days it's less, some days maybe it's not even there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I think it's a state of mind. But like what what happens when you take that feeling away? Yeah. Then you become back to <laughs> Yeah, you know <laughs> purpose. <laughs> so like you take that feeling of oh it's it's not it's not divine or it's not it's not whatever it is. You know, yeah. what what happens then? Then life becomes boring. Yeah. So I think <laughs> I think that's why people look yeah. to like, you know, the end, heaven, hell, and yep. et cetera, et cetera. There's like an end goal for, for stuff, I yep. guess, to make them feel better. But I think I personally think maybe there's a strange way of looking at it is that I think all of those kind of things is actually like shielding you, like, you know, it's clouding your vision from the main purpose in life, to be honest. I think like we're here for some reason, some purpose, yeah, yeah. but I think like all of these other things are just like layers you from seeing the actual truth. Yeah. Because we obviously are here for a reason. Yes, yeah. Right? Like we just don't exist because we exist. Yeah. Or do we? <laughs> you know? Yeah, so totally. So that brings me to one of the things that, um, what is then something that you are curious about in life at the moment? Something, a question that's on your mind something that you are looking into, something that is a newfound hobby or something that is something that you're just very curious about? Yeah, um, that's a really tricky one. I, I'm i like a super curious person in general. Like Jazz and I are the same. Like we go on holiday mm. to these really nice places um, and then like we'll just be sitting there and suddenly like be like, oh, I wonder what the cost to run this place is. I wonder how like much it costs to build this building and then we'll just start calculating and you know like doing a research so I think we're very curious in that sense that I'm just curious about everything in general um but I think to be completely honest I'm probably looking for something new now because um I feel a bit bored and I feel like I want to find something to be curious rather than being curious about everything in life mm. um I'm kind of looking for that new sort of purpose or something that I can be curious about and I can sort of, 
you know, focus all my attention into it. It's just a little bit hard when my attention's being pulled in so many different directions all the time. <laughs> okay, let me now simplify for you then. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay, go. your businesses, <laughs> gone. Uh, all your businesses, gone. Yeah. All your responsibilities, gone. Yeah. Is this you and everything? And if if money wasn't a factor in the world anymore. So, like, yeah. you didn't, you know, money didn't motivate you. Money didn't drive you. Money didn't, like, money meant nothing. And yeah. all it was, it was time. Time was currency. Yeah, I think to be honest, like, in general, how I live life is money doesn't really matter. Mm. I think how I see life is I measure it by success, yeah. how I feel. So yeah. do I feel that I was successful in something I did? Um, because money is, if you want to make money, it's very easy. You just look at how you can make profit and you do that. Yeah. But for me, I like to live a meaningful life. If I'm going to make some money, I don't need to make that much money. I can make some, but the way I made it is more important. But if I like think money if you wasn't take everything out, like yeah. you're saying, you take everything out, I think um, it would probably be to do. What would you do? What is, what is that one thing that you'd wake up to do every day and you'd be okay with doing and there was nothing to quantify you by that you're successful at it, you're not successful at it, there's no like number to put to it how successful I you are? I reckon probably… What's that one thing that you'd do? Probably like charity and education. Like probably start a charitable organisation. So one thing I've always like been obsessed with in life is doing something um, where I could raise funds and make a difference and help people that need the help. So I don't know what it would be in the charity, but I think that's the one thing that I want to do in life. Like I think ultimately the goal is, like I said, is not to have money for myself, but is to have money so that I can help other people with the money is sort of how I see life. So I think probably a charitable organization would be yeah, something that I'd like, look at. Like kids or? Um, I think when you, you go like, into charity, Do you like kids? Yeah, I do. I love kids, but I love the fact that they're not my responsibility when they're oh, upset. Oh, other people's kids. Yeah. <laughs> so I love my um, nephews and I love all my friends' kids. They're so gorgeous and I love them. Um, I'm sure like one day if and when it happens and I'll obviously love my kids too, but I love kids. Um, but I find that when you deal with kids, it's it's like – even more heartbreaking. It's almost like dealing with animals because sometimes it's hard to see the logic through everything. Like I think it becomes so emotional and I'm quite an emotional person. So I feel I'd find it really hard to just work with kids. I'd probably want to work on, um, you know, I haven't looked at it obviously in much detail, but I'd probably look at, you know, whether it's a type of illness that needs education in the world, um, you know, for example, invisible illnesses, which people don't know, that there's a lot of illnesses which are really severe that people live with and go on with every single day. Um, and, like, you would never know if, if the person didn't tell you and they didn't say, like, this is what I've got and this is what it actually is. A lot of the time I've heard um, a lot about it. So I've done a lot of work with Rotary and Rotract and um, I've met a lot of amazing friends and I've met people through that that have heart conditions, that have got um, – you know, all sorts of things that are going on that you could never tell and they're extremely successful. They've always got a smile on their face. So I think probably um, something that would educate people about that and also share other people that are going through a similar thing because there's not a lot of communities for that. Like there's a whole focus on whether it's cancer or whether it's diabetes or certain um, aspects of illnesses, but I think invisible illnesses is really interesting because it's something that someone has that you can't tell until they speak about it. 
That's true, yeah. right? Like these days, especially with social media, I think more people spend time online watching other people's lives or watching content online in general. Totally, yeah. And like speaking to people about their own problems, you know? Like one funny thing was I was saying, yeah. um, I can't remember who I was saying it to the other day. I found a really, really thing was like, I was looking from the outside yeah, yeah. and I could understand and I could see it. Like a lot of people that I saw online, you know, the World Cup finals was on between Argentina yeah. and France, right? Oh yeah. A lot of like so many guys specifically, they were more concerned about Messi's career yeah. than their own. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're like, oh, man, we wish he wins the World Cup. He deserves it. He has such a good career. He's yeah. accomplished this, 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 this. Yeah. The way the, they speak so passionately about Messi's career yeah. of what he's accomplished it's and amazing, he deserved yeah. to win the World Cup. Yeah. And I, in my mind, I'm thinking, man, you guys, man, have you? when was the last time you looked at so closely at your own career? Yeah. So much energy, so much passion, so much love. Yeah. Towards wanting to do what you want to do. So I found yeah. that really, really funny. Yeah, 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 yeah. That um, That would come out and speak confidently about that yeah instead of speaking about themselves that you know like the okay, same way yeah, yeah. like hey yeah. look this is an issue that i'm having blah 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 can i get help and you know i need help with you know to do whatever it is yeah but they're so driven by um what you can have some too <laughs> yeah i'm having some <laughs> um so yeah that i found that really really funny yeah 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 so um what what do you advise a young person Starting out, like, say, you know, they just finished high school, mm. going to university. Yeah. Um, they might be just starting university, halfway through university. Could be even, like, say, okay, in one of those stages. Yeah. And they want to get into business. They want to start something. They want to do something. What is something that's helped you and how they can also get started? Yeah. So when they, 10 years fast forward, when they, where Renee is, they can look back and say, okay, there was some, this is what Renee said that I should have, like what, pretty much what is something that you would advise them to do to get started? Yeah. And maybe a thing that you would have changed to make things better now. Yeah. Okay. So I think um, to be completely honest, like I worked in corporate world. So I worked at high corporate companies. So I worked at, you know, Coca-Cola, Heineken, PwC. I used to recruit at Robert Walters for most of the, you know, largest companies and, you know, putting people that work in accounting. I've recruited for law. Um, I've done banking for many years. So... I think for me, having that corporate job, because a corporate job is like a box. Yes. You know, no, no disrespect to anyone. I mean, I've, I've done it too, so but it's, I it's It's a beautiful thing, but it's also, um, it's also a very restricting thing because you can be extremely good at what you do and you can excel at that within this box. You can't go outside of the box and start building a triangle or a hexagon because you are a box, because you work in a beast that you're extremely proud of working it, but this is your actual responsibility and is to it. be in the square and to yeah. do it really well. So what I found was, and that's probably why I moved to so many industries randomly in my life. Um, and I How call many? It, yeah, well, I went into banking and then HR and then, you know, now there's like trucking, there's like property, there's investing, there's like stocks and there's, you know, the float center, like so many weird stuff that I've done. Yeah. But it's probably because when I was in corporate, I would do really well and I was working really hard and I didn't feel as though my work that and effort I was putting into this box, um, you can't really measure the difference that it's making into the big company, right? So if you're working at, I mean, I don't know, what's the brand? Like 
you pick a brand. <laughs> like a New Zealand brand? Yeah, any brand at all. Or like, like the warehouse group. So say you work at the warehouse group and this is your job. You can't actually quantify and measure everything that you've done and all your hard work. You may have put in 500% and other people are putting in five. You can't actually quantify and measure your input. And even if you can, there's corporate, there's politics, there's hierarchy, there's all that. You'll yeah. see people getting promotions that don't deserve it because they're friends with people. Yeah. You'll see- Or this is a good one, that they've been there the longest. Yes, yeah. yeah. Or because they're older than you, they think they deserve to get paid more yeah. because they think you're young and- You don't you know, have as much as you, you don't expenses. have as much as experience, but mm. they don't know that, you know, like I've been working since I was 16. I look young, but- like just because I'm young and I'm pretty and I wear makeup and I dress up and go to work, that's not who I am. Like my work ethic is I'm a beast. Like um, if I'm at work, I'm there to work and I want to work and I want to do it the best I can. Not to compare or compete, but for myself because I need to feel a sense of achievement. Like I went to work today, I gave it all I've got. Yeah, I feel good. But I think had I known earlier that um, if I had gone into business and I would have the flexibility, I could – implement what I wanted. I could change things. I can evolve things. I can go into a new industry and whatever work I'm putting in, I can actually measure and see it and change things straight away. I probably would have done it sooner. So you I- would have done it sooner. Yeah, I, I love and ad, I always have a love and respect um, towards my corporate career, which I find a lot of people turn around and try and put people down. Like I've seen it so many times. People that work a corporate job, like some of my friends being like, oh, but I don't have those problems because I have, you know, I am employed, which is then putting down someone in business. But yeah. then so many times I've heard people go, oh, I'm going to work in my family business. I I've never worked for someone, ha ha. It's like everyone has a place in society. People in corporate are extremely intelligent and successful and make these big brands what they are. But people also running their businesses are super you know, so th there's that sort of sense of battle who's yeah. better than the other. I so, think so like what you said that I think it's really makes sense. Like, but I think like personally for you, I think because your corporate life, what you've done in work, mm. I think that really sets you up. Exactly. For, for exactly. doing your own businesses, right? Yeah, I so th I think maybe, maybe if you would have changed earlier, maybe you could have had a head start. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? I think but I think that's important that the, the foundation, I think when you started working corporate, started doing all of these other yeah. industries, yeah. it gave you the experience on dealing with people, gave you the experience with working yeah. with different groups of people, yeah. um, you know, like personalities and everything. Yeah. So yeah. I think that sets you up for running your own successful businesses now. Yeah, totally. I think like I, that's why I say I always love and respect my corporate work because I've learned so much and yes. I, I think I met so many people. So I think that's the aspect I miss from my businesses. When you work in corporate, you work with so many other people, you're always meeting people cons constantly. Um, I think it definitely set me up, but I think had I known, you know, the flexibility and how much more freedom I have, like a business that's mine, I can do whatever I want with it, um, I probably would have done it sooner and I feel it would have given me more purpose because there were times where I was in corporate jobs and I was enjoying them and doing them, but I would say that I'm doing all this work, but I would feel really unappreciated yeah. because I was in the box. But that's purely because of my personality. That's not because I think, oh, people should leave corporate and go into business sooner. Definitely not. It's not for everyone. And I think also business is glamorized. It's definitely not as, you know, 
you know, you see the good stuff. You see us like, you know, when we're having our Christmas parties and we're yep. gifting and we're doing all that stuff or when there's marketing Nobody going sees up. the grind. Nobody sees you up till yeah. like 4 a.m. writing emails, doing things and trying to figure out your life and plan, you know, your next day and running around. You don't even have 10 minutes to breathe sometimes yourself. But I think for me and my personality, I would have not taken that step had I had sort of that transition period. I met my husband who's never worked for anyone. He's always run businesses all his life from a young age, similar to me, um, started working really young and that's what he's done. But for me, I got used to having that, you know, the comfort of having an income, a stable job. This is my job. I do my job. Yep. But I would always try and sort of do above my job when I worked in corporate Correct. and I would get slapped on the wrist like, no, this is your job. Stay in there. Don't try and do more. So um, I would want to do it because it was challenging me. But then yes. when, when I started, you know, when I met Jazz, he, we were doing sort of the Infinity Float Center and he had this crazy idea. So I would help him. So I'd go work in corporate. I'd be working from like 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. in the city. Then I'd drive down. Then I'd come to East Auckland. I'd sit with him. Then about 10 o'clock, I'd go home, rest, get up, same thing again. And it wasn't until um, I went to Raro in 2019 and I had a really bad um, motorbike accident where I flew off a moving motorbike. Um, and then I couldn't go back to working at Coca-Cola and then I was focusing on my recovery and I realized there's actually so much more work within the business that it made no sense for me going and giving, you know, I'm someone who wants to give a thousand percent and they only want a hundred percent of me in this box. Yep. There's no opportunities for me to grow. Um, and there's too much politics and drama everywhere. Not, not within that specific, you know, company, yeah. but I mean, just in corporate, it's, in, it's in, in every corporate yeah, company. It is. Um, I mean, there'll obviously be ones that there isn't. So, <laughs> uh, well, if it if it's like a giant corporate, chances are like it exists because there's too many layers. There's even like not within the company itself, then then within the industry that you're in, within the clients itself too. There's a lot ah. of like politics that is, yeah. exist. Yeah, you know? yeah, there's yeah, like, yeah. There's like a whole another level. So within the company, within the clientele, it's just like whole another level. Because I've also worked for corporate and I kind of understand how you know how that works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so the key thing is. Get like a job that challenges you that allows you to do maximum amount of stuff. If you're a young person, young person starting out, yeah, that allows you to do things ideally not just within a box. Mm. Try find a a role that kind of allows you to you know be creative. Yeah, challenges you. Yeah, so you learn things in life early on. Yeah, and um, maybe try a few different like industries as well? Yeah, I think having an open mind is important. But also I think if you are looking into going into doing something, reaching out to people. Another thing I learned was 80% um, of people that run businesses don't care. They don't mm -hmm. want to help you. They don't want to know you. They don't want to spend time and talk to you. But um, there are people that genuinely they go places, they become something and they're still very humble and remember their roots, which is really important. And there are people that will want to help them. I've had many people that catch up with me, have coffees, go on lunch, ask for advice. Um, there's many people that, you know, will just ask me and go, oh, like, I find it so amazing what you've done. And for me, I look at myself as like, I don't think I've done anything. Like, I was telling you the other day that I was sitting and thinking, like, I'm 30. What have I done with my life? <laughs> and, you know, so I think um, making time to reach out to the right people because there's a lot of people that don't want to help you. But I've written like business plans for many people. I've given them many ideas. Like, you know, real business people with a good heart and on, you know, on the, that wear their heart on their sleeve will want other people to be successful because running a business is a community. 
you you are doing something that's different and you want to help each other and you want to grow together. And I found that there are not many people that are like that. So when you do find those people, you keep them close. Um, and just, you know, go and ask people some questions. But you can ask as much as you want. Until you want to do it, it's about who's going to support you and stand there and, and do it with you and check in on you is more important. Because you can go have coffees with anyone. Yeah. You can go have coffees with CEOs, this and that. But you really need to talk to the people that are running the business and are genuinely going to help you and answer you. And those people that you know that, hey, if I start a business six months and I'm struggling with something, I'm just going to ring them up and they're going to you know, help me out and give me their context. Because it's all about context. You, you, you generally want to work in business with people you like. That, that's the thing. Like if you don't like someone, you don't want to do business with them. So you want to work with people that you like and reach out to people that, you know, are going to make time and yeah. sit down and talk to you. And even if they don't make time, like I'm really busy and, you know, I have to accept that sometimes I do have to reschedule. I tell yeah. people I'm, you know, super busy. And I guess like at this stage of, of your life and the things that you're doing and done, you also have to kind of like as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, investor, your time is valuable, right? You have to also look at it like, okay, what's like, what's in it for me as well? You know, you got to kind of look yeah. at it that way too because if you try to accommodate for every single person that ever messaged you or whatever it is. This like, is true. I'm guilty of that. You know? <laughs> so it's like, you can't, you just can't. Like what's, yeah. what's in it? Because you've worked hard to be where you are. Like it, it's the true. same for me. Like I can't give everybody my time as well, you know, in terms yeah. of like if they're fitness advice, business and whatever it is. Yeah. It's like, okay, but like, you know, like if I was, if you weren't in the situation or position you are in now, mm. they wouldn't be reaching out to you. Yeah, that's true. I've actually never looked at it that way, which is something I'm guilty of is whenever people do reach out, I feel like, you know, if someone's got a business, they're like, can you share it? And I'm, yeah, like, cool. Like, I'm 100% supportive. I can put my hand on my heart, say anyone that's reached out to me, I'm always polite, kind, always reply and help them. But at the same time, I know that had the tables been turned, they wouldn't return it to me. Yeah. But I also think that it, for me as a person, I have a sense of responsibility to society that it's not always about what I can get in return. If I can sit down and help someone and give them the confidence to go, if I can do it, you can do it. And here are some ideas. I can put you in touch with X, Y, Z. Um, you know, it's sort of like good karma that I'm doing. If I do something good for someone, you don't necessarily expect it to come back to you always. But I, I think for me as a person, like I said, I've always want, I always want to do things to give back to people rather than what can I gain. Um, so that probably doesn't make me the best business <laughs> person in the world. Um, but I think I like to do things with, with balance. So I try to find the time. I know sometimes people won't return the favor to me, but, um, you know, I'm just raised that way that we have a big heart. We do things, give a big, um, don't expect anything. And that, you know, someday, you know, my dad used to say this to me when I was young, that someday when I'm not here, I would have helped people that maybe one day someone else will come help you when I'm not there to help you. So I think it's sort of that mindset I take on it, but it's been a learning for me that you said that I ha actually, it makes a lot of sense. My husband tells me this all the time that I do need to be picky with my yeah. time because I do try to be everything to everyone. Um, and it's so hard because I never have time for myself anyway. That's so. the thing. <laughs> I was just going to add that, that when you take away time from you, yep. To give to somebody else, yep. you have no time left for you. Exactly. That's what I was just about to and add. And I don't have any. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was just about to say as yep. well. Because it is tricky. Like you do want to help people that one day maybe they can help somebody else or come back to help somebody that is one of your loved ones. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I think like sort of 
the the world we live in today, everyone's time pool, everybody's just out there to get what they get what they can get for themselves. Totally. I yeah. used to be that person too that try to help anyone and everyone that can for fitness and whatever it is and you know, coaching and advice and like they used to be that like even now sometimes I would offer as much value as I can to them in whatever way I can and whatever whatever part of their life yep. as I can. But the thing is that when you start doing that, not only you start taking on a lot of, I guess, their negativity and negative energy onto, like, it's a thought that... You're so right. You know, it yeah. gets stuck with you. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. like, what did you get out of it? Yeah, you're you know? actually right. And I find that with, like, people that I spend time with, like, friends. I've got a lot of friends. And then I've got friends that are my close friends. And I have noticed, like, sometimes, like, I'm very, like, grounded and humble. and t- Like, I am what – you see what you get. I'm very, you know, big-hearted. I'm very honest. And then you see those you, – you spend time with someone. For me, my time is very important. So I think the other thing is when I'm giving you my time to reply or respond or meet you, um, you know, it's not to sound arrogant or rude, but every business person will calculate – what their worth is at an hourly rate. In order to be successful in business, you got to know what your worth is for every half an hour or an hour. So if I give you my hour or if I give you my time, for me, like you said, my time is more valuable than money. So if I give you time, that's me showing you an ultimate form of my love exactly. to give you my time, exactly. right? Yeah. So I think you're right in the sense that people don't appreciate it because they don't value their time as much or I don't know what it is. But um, yeah. It's definitely something I've noticed that time is very valuable to me. And then if I spend it with the wrong person and then I find out that, you know, all I got was negative stuff from them or, you know, they talk to me just to find out stuff and they turn around and go talk about something else and I hear it through. And the worst thing is people don't realize that there are people who are very loyal and that the world is so small. Anyone that talks to anyone about me, it's always going to come back to me. It always does because – even people that might not even be loyal, they're going to tell me just to get in my good books. So it's like, you know, just be real. Yeah. Like, don't waste people's time. And if someone gives you time, just respect it. That's the main thing. Yeah. Yeah. So young person starting out, start early, work corporate, and yes. or anything that allows you to Absolutely. be Absolutely. Respect the corporate world. You learn so much. You get and so much con- connections and networks through it. Try to ask for help, but try add value in return for uh, yeah, to somebody. Yeah, I never thought of that. Yeah. So like, I guess like what I've always tried to do whenever somebody that I looked up to, yeah. if I asked them, can I get, you know, whatever is coffee with you, whatever it is, I got to add value somehow back to them. Totally. In something. Yep. So I guess if you're a young person and you need help with something and you don't know what to do, if you're asking for like Renee's time or something, mm ask for something in return like how can you add value to them as well because they're going to add so much value to you yeah. that you're going to take away yeah um so maybe just offer to come you know help make some candles for a couple of days yeah that and is so sweet i think you know? that's so the best advice like yeah <laughs> so like if you start looking at it that way i guess like you know the world will be a better place because you're doing something for them totally. they're doing something for you that's totally. not one way because oh, man like you know how it is like with health and fitness and everything. Everybody wants to look good, feel good, yeah. whatever. They'll ask you, they'll call you or whatever it is. Friends, family, cousins, whatever it may be, close friends. Yeah. A lot of people will ask you a whole bunch of stuff. You will take your time out and like, you know, actually tell them what it is, wherever it is. Then they'll go buy somebody else's. Not that I was wanting them to buy a plan from me, but at least follow the things that I told you to do. Yeah, 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 you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. But then they'll go like 
completely somewhere else to get someone something from someone else. And then then they'll come back after the fact, oh, it didn't work. It didn't work. <laughs> you know? It's like I've seen that in, in digital marketing so yeah. many times as well with people. Yeah. Friends, family, whatever has gone off to do something. It doesn't work for them. They've yeah. burnt a lot of money, whatever it is. And by the way, young person starting out, I highly recommend maybe if you want to work in multiple industries, mm. digital marketing is a cool way to do it because we yep. get to work with so many different products, brands, yep. um, you know, unique things that we work on. It doesn't feel like the same day every day. Yeah. Um, we get new clients, you know, from like construction, from like candles, you know, <laughs> like health, well-being, gyms, yep. um, salons and things like that. So I guess that's the reason why I enjoy digital marketing. Yeah. It's because we get to work with so many different businesses yep. and every day is not the same. We get to meet from... People from like, you know, like trades, which is very serious and different kind of characters yep. to like fun and happy football clients and stuff like that. Like yeah. it's it's not not that trades people are not fun and happy, but <laughs> I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like different personalities in yeah. different, different industries. Yeah. So young person, maybe digital marketing is something that you want to do. Yeah. That's um, a good idea. So Renee, before we sign off, what has your what has been your life's biggest learning? Like finish it off on like on a on a high note on a positive note. Oh my god! It, I mean, it can be something that was negative, but you turned into positive. Yeah. Or something like that. Like, what is that one thing? Yeah. Um, I think life's biggest learning is that you are always going to be judged, and like people are always going to judge you, even if they say they won't. Um, I am someone who is a zero judgment person, even if I hear things about people and I go in and, and don't judge them. But I think um, as long as you always know people are going to judge you and you can only do so much to change their judgment, like you got to stop caring about what people think about you and just do you. So I think there's a lot of people sit day to day and they think about what are they going to think if I do this? What are they going to do? If, you know, like what, what are people going to say if I go into this industry, if I do that for a job? But um, I think... You just got to stop caring. Like for me, the best advice I received in my career was my manager when I worked at Robert Walters. And he said to me, you know, he took me to the room and he would talk to me and he said, like, you're very smart and I know you can do the job. Like, I know you're going to be really successful. But he said, you know, people are going to judge you the second you meet them because I was meeting all the CFOs of, you know, these big corporate companies. He said, the first thing they're going to see is, oh, yep, she's young. She's pretty. Yep. And that's what they're going to remember you for. So it's your job to give people something to remember you for. So you've got to make sure that you share your knowledge with people when you talk to them, not just be face value. So I think um, that's my life's biggest learning is that I was very oblivious to that. Like I didn't think that's what people thought of me. I thought that oh, people take a genuine interest in what I'm saying. Yeah. So since then I've noticed that whatever I talk about, I make sure I'm going the extra mile so people can understand and respect there's more to me than face value. Yeah. So, yeah. So and, and I think you're 100% right in that context that a lot of people, doesn't matter what part of life they're in, mm. what stage of life they're in, yeah. and what they're trying to do in life, they value other people's opinions way too much as to what they should. Yeah. A person um, that is putting a negative comment on your social media platform, a person that lives in your neighborhood yeah. and is going to look at, what car you drive or what's happening in your family or what, you know, totally. what you, you hang out with, yeah. what they think or what they're going to say, it yeah. does not change or impact your life in any way or any form. Yeah. On Especially like, you know, a lot of online bullying, whatever it may be, whatever yeah. people say, 
it used to bother me too. It's yeah. like when I first got started on social media, this whole athlete thing, it used to bother me. Why do people hate me so much? Why do people say they negative? They hate you, but yeah. you're so sweet. That's the thing. Some people, they dislike you yeah. because you're just doing well at the thing that maybe they wanted someone else to do well at yeah. or they wanted to do well themselves. Yeah. So they try to pick, nitpick the neg- negative things or like, the not so flattering things about you, whatever those little things might be. Oh yeah, and they'll just make up stories yep. and all sorts of stuff. I mean, that bothered me at the start. So maybe like 12 years ago or something. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But then over time, I started feeling like sorry for them. Because yeah. I'm like, man, these guys must be very low and sad in their life to be able to take the time out yeah. to go on someone's social media account, to take the time to look at their content and then to leave a negative comment. Oh, and they leave negative comments yeah, on you it. Should, like negative comments, negative <gasps> messages. People, I get like a lot of it all the time. I really don't get people who can do that. Like even like on the Herald, they'll put something, you know, they'll put something. And then there's people attacking the person or, you know, like I'm like, like, okay, fine. Have you not heard? If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Like you don't need to put negative stuff on people's, you know. Yeah, those and you wouldn't do it in person. Yeah. If they meet you down the road, they no will way. never come say it to your face. No way. So then what makes it okay to do it online? Exactly. Yeah. Actually, Harold, that reminds me. I left like there was a comment about Messi and this boxer guy on, on <laughs> You're like, on, let me quickly cover myself. Yeah, you know, like I, I put a so I genuinely didn't know who this boxer guy was, right? I yeah. read the read the thing. It was supposed to be some famous boxer from Mexico, right? Or something like that. Um and then I put a comment on and he was apparently put a tweet up. On, on Twitter yep. that he was going to punch Messi in the face. Oh, my God. Because uh, he got a Mexican jersey and Messi was taking his boots off and he accidentally touched his, the jersey with his boots on the floor yep. in the changing rooms. And he put up a tweet saying, oh, Messi's using the, the Mexican T-shirt with the Mexican flag on it to mop the floor. Oh, my and God. And they made a whole article out of it. Yep. And I just made, put a simple comment, who's this person? Like, the person's name, I think was like, I can't remember the boxes. Yeah, whatever, whatever. Who's this person? Yeah. That was my comment. And then I got so much hate on that. Oh, I mean, some of them I can't even tell you. I got so much hate on that because I use my athlete page to usually interact with sports things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got so much hate on that. And then when I looked up the boxer, I mean, 14 million is a lot of followers. Yeah. But Messi's got over 400 million followers. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I was like, the point I was trying to make was more people are more likely to know him yeah, 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 yeah. over that boxer. Yeah. And if you guys are... You know, they were just making such negative comments towards Messi. Oh, my And God. I was genuinely asking, who's this guy? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I got, like, I think 36-something negative comments. So, um, I think it's just people have too much. The people are very opinionated. And I think social media is just easier to attack people through. So that's a very yeah. good life learning, though. Do not care what people say or think of you. Yeah. Live life and make decisions what you want to do. Whatever you want to do. Because if you're going to think about all the time what people are going to think of you, you're closing yourself from your full potential. And whether it be a positive outcome for you, whether it be a negative yep. outcome for you, yep. at least it's your decision. And yep. you live either the consequence or the yep. reward. Yeah. And I feel like it's the most important part is if that decision is yours and it's not based off of what someone else thought of you. Yeah. And I think to always stay humble too. Like always remember who you are. Um there's some people that you meet and you're just so mind-blown that they've achieved so much, but they always stay true to who they are. Yeah. Um, and then there's some people that get, you know, a little bit of success and they completely change. Um, we're all humans. And the end of the day, like, 
nothing matters. No yeah. little level of success or money or fame is ever going to change you. Um, it's always about who you are to your core and staying true to yourself is mm. the most important. I don't think money, fame change people. I think it only exposes who they really are. Yeah, true. I think that always existed yeah. within yeah. them. Yeah. As is now that it's fully come out. The ego. <laughs> the ego, the whatever it may be, right? Yeah, right. It's yeah. like, it's not because money doesn't have a mind. It doesn't have a thought. doesn't have anything. It doesn't it's, really have much value. It, it doesn't have, yeah. it doesn't have something that, money is not a thing that talks to you. Mm. So it can't make you change your mind. Yeah. You are the one that was always that person. Yeah. That is now. It's just accentuated. There. Showing, yeah. yeah. Showing the reality of who you are as a person. Yeah. Money, fame, any of these things that people yeah. say, oh yeah, he got famous and he changed. We'll see when you become super famous <laughs> after this podcast. <laughs> hey, Nathan, we'll go check. Yeah, but that, like, that's the thing though. I feel like yeah. money doesn't change people. Fame yeah. doesn't change people. It's You're the right. people yeah. that were always that. Yeah. You know, like you give um, like $100 million to a person yeah. that is good, yeah. they will do good. Yeah, that's true. You give $100 million yeah. to a person that was good, yeah. now they do bad. It's money that hasn't changed. Yeah. It's that money person. remains it's the same. It's the intent, yeah. It's the person. Yeah. So on that note, Renee, share one thing with us just before we sign off. Something that you've never shared before. Something that nobody knows about you. Something that we're only going to hear it today on this podcast. Oh, my God. I hate questions like that. Um, I think... Something I was talking about earlier, actually, and I've never told anyone. But um, I have this really weird talent where I listen to songs and I somehow just know the lyrics after I've listened to it twice. So Jazz calls me a jukebox because literally I can listen to any song, whether it's like rap or R&B or like anything, even Indian music or even Punjabi music, even though I don't speak it fluently. Like I just listen to things and I remember it. So... Um, I don't. Th I thought it was very normal, and everyone can do that. But jazz gives me real anxiety about it. So, but jazz knows about that. Something that nobody <gasps> knows. What does jazz not know about me? I feel like I'm such an open book. There's nothing people wouldn't Come know on, about me. Come on, give us some of the spice. Spice. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if jazz doesn't know, then my dogs know about it. People, I said, that people don't know about it. My dogs are a person. <laughs> How many um, dogs do you have, by the way? I have three now. Three. Yes, Any more in the way? House. No way. When the little one's naughty, I was like threatening him to put him on trade me again. <laughs> so, yeah. SBCA doesn't show up my doors. <laughs> I don't know. What is something no one knows about me? Um, I think it would probably be... It would probably be my mindset. That nobody knows. <laughs> I, I, I hope nobody knows my mindset either. I don't know. I think I'm bipolar, to be honest. Like, I think, um, like, I'm this really nice, happy, friendly, bubbly person. But then I think if you, like, work with me, if I'm in work mode or you catch me, like, off guard, I'm, like, a completely different person. 100% sure Jazz knows about that, too. <sighs> this is really hard. Maybe we have to have, like, a second session so I can think about it. This is one of those... Give me some examples, because you would have asked people this question before. I'm like... Um... Some examples uh, of... Uh, Something no one knows is that sometimes at 2 a.m. I go and eat the Nutella out of the Nutella jar and then I end up like putting something else in it and putting it back and everyone thinks it's full but it's not. So what do you put back in it? 
like there's like some basic, not a Nutella one, but a chocolate spread and I just put it in there. So whenever Jazz opens it, he thinks there's Nutella in there, but I just buy a new one every time and hide it under so the... So you eat Nutella at night time? Yeah. Do you brush that's your teeth I, after? Yeah, of course I oh, do. Okay, good, good. That's but that's why I look the way I do probably. <laughs> well, there you, guys, the there you go, guys. You heard it now. Renee eats Nutella at 2 a.m. in the morning. Yes, Jazz, when I'm stressed. <laughs> Jazz, mate, you haven't been eating Nutella. It's something else, so you better get that sorted. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Renee, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate your time. I know you're a very busy person. And um, I wish you well for all the businesses that you're running and all the future ones that you're going to run too. Uh, safe travels when you travel to those six countries that you said for those four weeks. Hope you and Jazz enjoy yourself. And when you come back, I hope you discover something or do something that you're looking to do that is going to excite you once again. Yep. You know, add a little bit of that spice to life and so. <laughs> um, make things make things good for you and look yeah. forward to 2023. Perfect. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's just so lovely to be here and um, wishing you all the very best with your podcast and your business tra transparent digital media. <laughs> um, you're doing such great work and um, I'm really glad that, you know, we've been friends for a long time, but we've been able to work together um, on our businesses together, which is really exciting. Yes. Um, I think this is really awesome that you're taking out so much effort and energy to make these stories and, and help people with um, all our conversations. And I hope that you also have an amazing Christmas and a fabulous new year. And I know we'll be catching up more in the new year. Um, and hopefully I'll have more time to do these things. <laughs> yeah, this, this podcast will be released in 2023. So, Merry Christmas that has already gone now for the people that... Oh, uh, yeah. All the best that, for the new year then. <laughs> hope you guys all have a rocking 2023. This is the first podcast to start the year off. Oh, with a bang. Yes. So it would have been three years in the making now. Yes. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Well, thank you so much for tuning in and appreciate all of you. hope you took something away from this podcast and something that was really useful that you can apply in your everyday life. As always, thank you so much for listening, watching, and I will catch you on the next one.